0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you
2: talking about? Stuff we wish never aired.
1: I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man.
2: The Guy Benson Show.
1: Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show here on this Monday, GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website. Podcast always free. So I spent some of the weekend doing some spring cleaning. And I actually asked the team here at the show to hold me accountable on Friday because it's a rare weekend these days that I'm actually home without a bunch of stuff on my schedule. So for weeks I've been thinking, you know, the master bedroom in the house here is Kind of a mess. And my closet is especially bad. I need to clean this stuff up. And I got some new clothes recently. Let's organize things. I generally like doing that sort of thing. I find it almost calming. It sort of reorders my thinking. That might be overstating it a bit. But I just hadn't had time. And when I was finally done with work at night, we're done with dinner, I'd be like, you yeah, know, I don't really want to do that. I want to sit on the couch and just veg for a little bit for the first time all day. So I said on Friday... This weekend, probably Saturday, I'm going to take some time. I've got a block of hours with nothing to do. I'm going to take some of that time and really do a lot of cleaning, especially in the bedroom, bathroom, closet. And I am pleased to report that I partially followed through. (laughs) I did the closet and threw out a bunch of old hangers and decided there was some clothing that I could donate to Goodwill and just reorganize other stuff, and the closet – is looking good and under control again. And that is very satisfying. Now, did I kind of lose interest and peter out and decide to go have dinner on the early side? Yes. And did that mean that I did not get to the bathroom and certain elements of the bedroom itself? Yes, it does. So the master suite sanctuary is still a little more chaotic than I would like. Maybe I'll do, like, the bathroom tonight. I'll put some baseball or something on TV, have that sound on in the background, and clean the bathroom. And I can do that after Kennedy, because I'm on Kennedy's show, and that's not that late. And I just don't want to feel sorry for myself. I think it'll be good for me. So I'm going to try to do that, but at least I got the closet done. So I wanted to just mention that because otherwise I know Christine was going to jump on here and call me out because I literally asked them to. It's like this will be accountability. I'm going to tell you guys I'm going to do it and we can do part of a home stretch about it on Monday. That will be my incentive to actually do the thing. And I did some of the thing. Meanwhile, Christine seems to have spent much of her weekend Watching some, is it a Netflix show, Christine? You were asking me if I'm watching it. I've never even heard of it. What's this thing called?
3: It's a new Netflix show by the same producers that did Love is Blind, and it's called The Ultimatum. I think it's the number one show on Netflix right now. Um, I had a couple of girlfriends tell me to start watching it over the weekend. I
1: kind... Wait, hang on. Hang on. So Love is Blind, is that the one where they dress up as ridiculous animals with a lot of makeup and everything, or... And then they go on blind dates, and you can't no no see this, the person because that was that was definitely one of these dating shows. And I watched an episode or two of that, and it was ridiculous. Love is Blind is a different form of blind dates. You like you, wa- you watched it
3: because we talked about it. It's the one where they were like behind walls having their dates.
1: Oh yeah, so they just it's like the dating game, right? Where you can't see the people, you just ask questions. Like, contestant number two, what's your idea of a romantic date or whatever? That's Love is Blind.
3: Right, but then don't forget they got engaged without seeing each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, that. come on. It's just very, very silly. But, okay, so that's Love is Blind. This is from, from the geniuses and the creative minds who brought us Love is Blind is now – The ultimatum, what's the premise?
3: So the premise is there's six couples, and either the guy or the girl, you know, in the the relationship has given the other one an ultimatum, saying, we've been dating for quite a few years or a year or whatever it may be, and now it's, you're going to marry me, you're going to propose, or you're, you know, you're going to marry me, or we're going to be done. So the six couples get together, and... They have to start, they break up. Every couple has to break up. Then they start dating each other, you know, all intertwined. And then they have to pick Wait, another- Stop,
1: stop, stop, stop. They, the couples who have been together for a long time yes. are made to break up, Yes. join the show, and then start dating each other again?
3: No, no, no. They have to date other, one of the other people and the other couples-
1: Oh, boy, okay.
3: And then after a week of, like, getting to know the other ones, you have to pick another person and go live with them for three weeks because it's supposed to show, like, what you may or may not, the qualities you may or may not like in your partner. Maybe you'll have more clarity after living with somebody else.
1: Like, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. You know, don't lose sight of what you've got. Whatever. Correct. That's okay. not
3: happening, though. <laughs> now these people are kind of falling for each other, and it chaos ensues.
1: So the new couples are supposedly falling in love when the mm-hmm. point is supposed to be that they realize that they miss their real person. They want to go back Correct. and tie the knot and put a ring on it after all the drama or whatever, but instead— Sort of, sort of the opposite is going down here.
3: Right. So now they're in the three weeks of with the new person. After this, they go back to the original couple for three weeks. That's where I'm at right now. It is so stupid. Like, if I was on the show watching my husband in the other room on a date, I would lose my mind. Um, this Yeah, one. but
1: you're married. That's the point. These other people clearly have but commitment they're, issues. They, some
3: people have been in a relationship for, like, two years watching their significant other... Well, their ex now go off on dates and who knows what with another well, person. The, the,
1: ex, the ex does feel like a little bit contrived. Like they're not actually oh, totally. exes. They, they technically had to be broken up for the concept of the show to work. But in their minds, it's like still their person. I cannot imagine being like, oh, yeah, let me sign up for this. Yes, please. Put me on this show. This seems I, I don't. – I'm not going to judge. It doesn't seem like the – how can I put this highest brow offering that Netflix has for the American people? Does that, does that seem fair? Well,
3: let's, I mean, I told you I'm addicted, so that's all you got to know.
1: <laughs> so you're going to like binge watch more of this tonight. Like you're counting down like the last 30 seconds here of the show. Cause you want to head back to New Jersey and like mama's got to watch the ultimatum and yeah, your Megan. Daughter, Megan, she's like, I'm hungry for dinner. I was like, figure it out, Megan. Mama's watching the ultimatum.
3: You're nine now. Learn how to use a microwave. <laughs> Grow up, Megan.
1: Oh, boy. Well, I would say I would want to check that out, but I don't. I really don't, honestly. I watched the Elizabeth Holmes Hulu show. The dropout, that was pretty good. What a weirdo. What a fraud. That's a whole nother conversation, honestly. We're up on time. We, we We can't do this anymore. We can discuss offline. If you can pry yourself away, Christine... Uh, from the ultimatum. Back here tomorrow for the Guy Benson Show, same time, same place. Joining Kennedy on the TV side tonight, FBN 7 p.m. See you there. Talk to you tomorrow. It's the Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for tuning in, Guy Bensonshow.com. Free podcast every day. So a few stories to get to here. In our final segment, first I want to just confess that Jenny's ice cream has won this round. You may recall on the show, I had had a few choice words about Jenny's ice cream and their one flavor in particular, the everything bagel flavor. So they reached out to us and sent us six pints of different flavors, and we did an on-air taste test. And... It was very fun for me. It was on my birthday, and it was not as powerful, perhaps, as it would have been on TV, but you could hear, I tried to do some, what is it called, ASMR, you could hear me opening the thing and then eating a little bit from the spoon. We had a different spoon for each pint, and my favorite flavor that I'd never tried before from them was this brown almond brittle, something like that. And it was really, really good, and it disappeared really fast at my house it was like there and then adam and i both liked it and then within a matter of days it was just uh, depleted so i was at the grocery store last night i was in the freezer aisle and what do my eyes see but a display of jenny's ice cream and my brain immediately goes to that flavor i was like gosh i wonder if they have it and boom there it was multiple pints available I look at the price which I did mention on the air, was a bit steep. Jenny's ice cream known for not being terribly affordable. But they got me dropping like eight bucks on a pint of ice cream because their little public relations stunt was successful. They wanted me talking about it. They wanted you hearing about it. They wanted you trying it, and they wanted someone like me getting like hooked on the product. And where the first round is, oh, the first round's on us. Like, ah, well, joke's on them. I'm not going to pay for this stuff. It's delicious, but I'm not going to pay for it. And then here we are a few weeks later, and guess who paid for it? So you win this round, Jenny. We'll see about the future. Next up, we were on the call earlier today planning the show, and producer Christine Cookie very just knowingly says, well, we all know what today's home stretch is going to be about. And there is a pause, a silence. Wyatt, Dan, and I just have no idea what she might have in her brain, which is usually the case. And she says, obviously, it's Britney Spears and her pregnancy. And I had barely seen this as a headline, but it seems as though Christine was able to take a break from watching The Ultimatum on Netflix to binge. I'm binging on ice cream. She's binging on Britney News. So do we know who the father here is? Christine?
3: Oh, yeah. We know who the father is. His name is um, Sam, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I believe it's Esgrahi. This is
1: her boyfriend?
3: Yeah, they've been, they're engaged now, but they've been dating for years. He seems, you know, like a pretty good guy. He's confirmed. So this
1: is her third and their first together? Correct. Correct. Got it. And how does this play into another celebrity story this week with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez apparently engaged again because I, I don't really follow this stuff too closely, but they were engaged at a time and they were a huge power couple like back in the early to mid 2000s. Yep. Then they broke it off, as is always the case with Jennifer Lopez. She just has this collection of rings apparently where Six. people propose and she gets a giant rock and then – the engagement gets broken off. Do we know if Ben Affleck had to get a new ring, or could he just, like, recycle the same one from last time?
3: No, he got a new ring. By the way, this is her sixth engagement.
1: Um, now, but why would he—to me, I would say, you know, I feel like the last ring was pretty nice. It was. Let's just stick with that one, considering that it didn't work out, but well, now we're going to try again. Exactly. Or is this, like, part of her business model to no. just say yes—
3: Wait, you can't use the same ring; it's bad yes, luck. No. Obviously, they broke up. Like that's probably doesn't have amazing memories for Jen. And let's be honest, Ben can afford a new ring. The last ring he bought her. was... Wait, hang on. If
1: this is if this is engagement number six for her, mm-hmm. could the bad luck charm maybe be her?
3: No, no. Really,
1: of really. Co-
3: She can do no wrong, I guarantee you. And I I really, truly mean this. I bet you it's not
1: her, it's them. Oh, I doubt that very much. I feel like I'm actually going to make a Britney Spears reference here. That song, the hit song where she was the flight attendant on the plane. You remember that song, Christine?
3: Uh, Yes, Toxic.
1: I feel like that might be a word that applies to this situation and this dynamic. I'm just saying. I have nothing personal against J Lo, but that's well, I mean, a lot of diamonds.
3: Well, we can go through person by person and I can explain to you why Let's each not. one was yeah, exactly. us exactly. not.
1: I know there was an A Rod in there. I know there yeah, was a Ben cheated. Affleck twice. Who else was in there? Was there like Mark, Mark Anthony? Mark Anthony.
3: Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. Um Chris Judd. Remember her backup dancer?
1: Nope. Don't remember that at all.
3: Um, I think his the first marriage was, was
1: I, P. Diddy in there, too?
3: They they were never engaged, but they dated. Okay.
1: That's Got where it. she I mean, became at, You should know that as C. Diddy would be an expert on P. Diddy's love life. So does it feel like it's 2004 all over again with Britney Spears pregnant and Bennifer back together and engaged? And does that make you very happy? I feel like you probably have a lot of nostalgia for
3: 2004-ish. Oh, I totally do. Like, I'm not going to be wearing the low-rise jeans that I once wore back then I am a 40-year-old mature woman now. But, yes, this brings me joy. I'm so excited for Benifer' wedding. I'm so excited to see how this Why whole- do you think there's going
1: to be a wedding this time?
3: Oh, I mean, if you're coming back together, I mean, this is just a, such a romantic story, don't you think? She said yes, again. <laughs> she, she didn't end the relationship the last time. I don't know if you've followed, but Ben— Ben had some uh, challenges in his life that she mm. needed to step away from. I, we can't go through yeah. all this. We just okay, can't. Okay, so it was
1: never her. It was always them. I mean,
3: maybe. It plausible. usually plausible. always Plus, is the guy. Let's be honest. I mean, we could have a whole conversation, but let's be honest. It usually wow. always wow. is the if, guy.
1: Look, God forbid, God forbid, and I think it'll never happen, but if I were to find out tomorrow that things were over, Splitsville, between Cookie and Bobby, <gasps> My first instinct would not be, oh gosh, what has Bobby done?
3: So that has been a conversation that my friends and I have had because they've always said like the one instance (laughs) if there was a divorce is me and Bobby where they would say like, oh, what did she do now?
1: Yes, they would assume immediately it was the woman, in this case you.
3: I find that very unfair. You'd be
1: tweeting up a storm at, Cookies Jar 1988. Bobby
3: be going down. Bobby, this is a warning. Uh, Don't even think about divorcing me.
1: Yeah, because you'll get dragged by Cookies Jar 1988 on the Twitter, and uh, that's a powerful, powerful weapon, probably for his uh, attorney, actually, to use against you. But here's the thing. We're talking about Britney. We're talking about J-Lo. These are pop stars, and there is an emerging musical star (laughs) that you've heard of, not in this context— But Jussie Smollett, the race hoaxer and convicted felon, who is now, I guess, awaiting sentencing based on appeal or we're waiting for the final resolution, but he's been convicted, he has put out a song. He has recorded a song for all of humanity, and we should all be very grateful, in which he once again maintains his innocence, which is, of course, a lie, like everything else that he said about this incident— But he decided to put it to song, put it to music. And so what we're going to do here, it's unusual for us at the Guy Benson Show. We don't do a lot of music critiques on the show. But we are going to evaluate this song called Thank You, God, which is pretty bold by Jesse Smollett. And then our resident music expert, Dan, our engineer who once was on American Idol, we are going to let him give his analysis of the song. Here's just a snippet of Thank You God, the breakout hit by Jussie Smollett. Take my ego out. Some people searching for fame. Some people chasing that cloud. Just remember this. This ain't that situation. You think I'm stupid enough to keep my reputation. Just to two look like a victim, like at something fun. I better look at someone else. You got the wrong one. Okay. Uh, Dan, what do you think of the song?
2: Well, I just have to preface, this is not a song I'd really like kind of seek out and listen to, but since I care about the content of the show, I did listen to it. Um, Thank you. I think the musicianship is not bad. I mean, it's very much in the zeitgeist of what's you know popular right now in music, and the production quality is pretty good. Having is it?
1: Because I can barely hear the words that he's saying that's like getting garbled behind
2: well, the beat. Yeah, the beats, the beat's good. The beat is what I'm really talking about. But you don't. You want to hear that over what he's saying because it's just really hard to listen to, and to follow. So I do have to say that it's just a cringy, cringy song to listen to, and just it's just monotonous. It's just one like long tone, and it doesn't bring anything or change much. And so I I don't know. It's it's pretty pretty bad.
1: You're not a fan of the stylings of Jesse Smollett. You don't <laughs> I, think this one's going to rocket to the top of the charts?
2: I don't think I'm going to put him in any like Spotify playlists or anything like that. No.
1: Yeah. Christine, you're a rapper. Uh, what uh, yes. was your take on this? I mean,
3: that is that really a song? No. My I, first of all, he could have come to me. I could have helped him a little bit.
1: Would you have helped him?
3: Probably not. But no, it was terrible. And I just want you to know. Can I also be? What is Dan? He's like our music critique. Of the show, well,
1: music expert, because he was either what did you audition for American Idol? Dan, were you on the show?
2: So I auditioned, and my audition um, was going to be on the show, and they cut it last second, so I technically ah. wasn't on it, but I do have the video okay. of it.
1: But that is still much more of a place of expertise than Me? producer Christine. No, th- yeah, I mean, but
3: Bobby says that I have a voice like a choir of angels.
1: That is a very kind thing for him to lie to you about now. Quiet Wyatt, you have also done some rap with producer Christine under duress against your wishes, but you did it. Especially in the early days, you basically just agreed uh, to do basically whatever Christine asked you to
0: do. Do Doesn't you have do any that thoughts anymore? On this? <laughs> He's um, learned. He's grown. All I would say is that that would not be on my my war playlist. I just uh, that's not something I would listen to.
1: War Wyatt would not send the troops into battle to this song. Thank you God by Jussie Smollett. I'll just close with this. That song, and this is indisputable, that song is more of a hate crime than anything that has actually happened to Jussie Smollett. Right? You can't really argue with that. I know he would, but the evidence is the evidence, and the verdict is the verdict. So this is a fun little career pivot for Jussie. We wish him the best, by which I mean we really don't. And we just want to mix it up here on The Guy Benson Show. You never know what you're going to get in the home stretch. Music criticism, a new feature here on the program. We'll see if we'll ever need to bring it back. In the meantime, we're done. Returning tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. We will talk to you then. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you for listening.
3: Oh yeah.
1: Home stretch on this Wednesday. It's the Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is always free. So there was a strange mishap at an NBA game in Minneapolis last night. It was the Los Angeles Clippers at the Minnesota Timberwolves. And at some point, there was a woman who was sort of down on the court. It seemed like she might be hurt or something like that. People were not sure what actually happened. Here's how it sounded on the broadcast on TNT as folks tried to figure out what the hell was going on. Somebody has fallen.
3: A arena worker has fallen at the other end, and you can see right now. I'm not sure if she fainted or fell, but they are assisting her, and out she goes. You know, I say it's an arena worker. It may have been somebody else because they
2: quickly got her up and, and got her off in a hurry. Did she, if she fell,
1: is there blood down there? Oh, okay. I,
3: th- I think we've been told there was a protest, and I think she was writing something on the floor.
1: All right, so that was Marv Albert as they're working through what was going on here. And it turned out, at first, as you could hear, they thought someone was hurt. There was concern. Is this an arena worker? What happened? Is there blood? No, no. This was an animal rights activist who decided that she was going to Walk out onto the floor, sort of down underneath one of the baskets near the baseline, and literally glue her body to the hardwood. That's why you started to hear some of the booing in the background. People realized that she was there deliberately and was delaying the game and protesting something. So even the Minnesota Nice fans uh, did not have much patience for that. So some booze started to rain down i guess what happened was she was not terribly successful (laughs) at gluing herself i don't know if she thought this through right and i let me just explain apparently why she was doing this she had a t-shirt on that almost no one could see or read again a very well-planned performance here the shirt read glenn taylor who is the owner of the timberwolves roasts animals alive This was some animal rights activist who I guess had some objection to like the egg farm or egg factory that Glenn Taylor owns. So she decided that she was going to make a stand for the chickens or the eggs or something like that by gluing herself to the ground. And they were able to, in very short order, unglue her and hurry her away and escort her off to be, I presume, arrested. Now, back to the technical breakdown here. I am not familiar with what specific adhesive she tried to use. I'm guessing it wasn't just like, you know, Elmer's glue that you use in third grade. This was probably something a little bit more substantial, but not substantial enough. I guess her plan was, oh, they're not going to be able to get me off the floor anytime soon. They're going to have to come in and bring some sort of solution. The game will be vastly delayed. I'll get tons of attention. But instead they were like, oh, nope, and just scooped her right up and off she went. So the T-shirt could not be read by almost anyone. She also didn't go prominently like out to mid-court or anything like that. She just walked barely onto the floor, plopped down, glued herself down, and it didn't stick. Again, I'm not an expert on these things. I would imagine some of the more heavy-duty substances probably still take a little bit of time to really harden and maybe make it harder to pry someone up, you'd think there might be other options, like chaining yourself to something, handcuffing yourself to something. But no, this uh, this bright light of activism went this route, and it was a very minor distraction. And basically, the only attention she got was a few boos and some ridicule. I'm reading about the story on OutKick. And Clay Travis, who I recently saw down in Florida, his commentary on this was, quote, absurd and ridiculous, but still a more valid protest than when the NBA and WNBA shut down for Jacob Blake, a reference to a police-involved shooting of an armed suspect who was violating a restraining order against a woman. And he was wielding a knife, and they shot him, and it turned into this whole folklore about, An unarmed person being shot for racial reasons, none of that was true. The police were cleared, but that didn't stop the community from going up in flames in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Not that far from Minneapolis. It's it's a bit of a drive, certainly. Kenosha, by the way, rocked by multiple nights of violence, arson, looting, and then, of course, the incident involving Kyle Rittenhouse and the shooting, That county, for the first time in decades, has flipped red at the county executive level as of last week, as we've mentioned a few times. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. The story says the Timberwolves stuck together in the second half and edged the Clippers 109-104. to And one more pun. The Clippers laid an egg in the game's final minutes, getting bested on the boards and playing sloppy perimeter defense during crunch time. So this was a story sent to me by Dan. I had missed this episode, and I'm glad he brought it to our attention because it is the type of absurdity that we like to highlight. This might have qualified as woke tales, but we already did a a segment on that earlier. Plus, it reminded me of the protests that happened at my alma mater this past football season. I believe the Northwestern Wildcats, my team, were playing Iowa, hosting Iowa and some left-wing woke students ran out onto the field and just sort of loitered on the field for several minutes. I guess the school didn't really know what to do. Security didn't really know what to do. They had a big banner that they unfurled. They had several protest placards. It was just an array of left-wing causes. There was no specific thing that they were protesting or demanding. It was just like, all the things, fossil fuels, Palestine, you know, like all, you know whatever. A, a little buffet of left-wingery. And these geniuses, again, these are supposed to be some of our brightest at Northwestern, they pointed all of their signage away from the cameras. (laughs) So no one on TV or anything like that could see. And most of the fans were on the opposite side of the stadium. They had no idea what was going on and couldn't read the signs. So, you know, good stuff. It's like when people block highways. Like, what are you expecting to achieve? You're going to piss off a lot of people, alienate them, or you're going to delay a football game, and no one knows even why, what your stupid cause is. Or in this case, you might, what, delay a basketball game for a few minutes, then people all of a sudden are going to say, oh, let's go pick at the egg farm. I just don't understand what goes through people's minds. I'm all for protest. I'm all for activism. I think being strategic, having achievable goals going through processes that make sense and don't actively turn people off. That seems like it would be best practices, but often our friends on the left in particular aren't interested in best practices. And of course we have our crazy people on the right as well who turn people off all over the place with their mirror image of this crazy stuff. By the way, one other reason that I wanted to talk about this particular story today is because producer Christine Cookie is off today. I don't know what she's up to. Maybe we can interrogate her on the home stretch tomorrow. We have some really good home stretch topics for tomorrow and Friday that we're holding because she doesn't like talking about sports. She doesn't really know anything about sports. And her contributions to this particular discussion would have been minimal if existing at all. So let's do the sports topic today smart move by Dan. And then we'll get back to the cookie monster and nonsense tomorrow. So there's a little tease. We are out of time here. Back here, as I mentioned, tomorrow, same time, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, here for The Guy Benson Show. We will talk to you then. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you for listening to The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show, Friday eve. Thank you for tuning in. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast always free every day. I'll be on TV about an hour from now, special report. I'll be on the panel with Brett and company. Hope to see you there on Fox News Channel. So this story caught my eye yesterday, and I wanted to talk about it yesterday, actually, during the home stretch. but we had producer Christine off, plus there was a sports story that we could do in her absence, since she's not a big sports person. This one I figured she might have some thoughts on, and it turns out she does. New York Post has a piece about a 33-year-old woman who makes a living as a professional baby namer. Rich people fork over large sums of money to let this woman, Taylor Humphrey, help name their children. Expectant parents paying upward of $1,500 to this woman to pick the perfect name for their child. She says that some parents who are sort of in a panic are even coughing up ten grand to help them settle on a name when there's a dispute, $10,000 on a baby name. Last year, she made more than $150,000 on what has to be a side hustle. She bills herself as a professional, passionate writer and storyteller who is adept at branding, marketing, and social media. Hell, I'll get passionate about this if I can make six figures. And I will say I actually have helped name a few of my friends' kids. Now, I won't dream up the name all on my own. They'll present options that they're thinking about for middle names, potential first names, obviously, different combinations. So one of my friends, Kelly, actually picked the first and middle name for both of her sons. And I've helped with a few others. It did not occur to me to try to monetize this, turn it into a business. But 33-year-old Taylor Humphrey, apparently a lot smarter than I am in this sense, making 150 grand as a baby-named consultant, I cannot imagine, number one, having enough money to even consider something like this. Number two, even if I did... Calling up a stranger to name my child? That is just a totally, totally foreign concept. So we went around the horn on our call earlier today, the planning call, and sometimes when there's a good home stretch topic that's floated, we get talking about it on the call, and I'm sitting there like, no, save all of this. Save this for the air. But producer Christine... You know, was like a bull in a china shop, just going on and on about her story. So I know what's coming here. You don't. Her daughter, Megan, who you've heard about many times on this show, who is sort of the calm adult in the room when it's just her and her mom. Now, she's a very mature young lady at age, is it nine now, Christine? Yes. Yes. With her mother, who's between the ages of 40 and 60, who's just uh, much more... Easily excitable, I think is one way of putting it. And you revealed, and you had not mentioned this before on the call earlier, that you did not want to name Megan, Megan. You had a different plan for Megan's name, and it was vetoed by Bobby. And this is one of the rare circumstances where I think I'm disagreeing with Bobby and agreeing with you. I guess the ship has sailed for Megan, but tell us the story.
3: Well, I've always wanted to name, if I had a girl, I always wanted to name her Reagan, after the late, great Ronnie. And then I i i don't think I've ever told uh, the former governor this. I, I had a huge, still do, love of Governor Christie. So I wanted the name to be Reagan Christie. And Bobby was so against this. He said, she's going to grow up to be a liberal. She's going to hate you. She's going to wish that's not her name. So we settled on Megan because we just thought, like, it's just like a nice name. There's nothing. It's be-
1: kind of close. Reagan, Megan, it's not way off.
3: And Megan still, to this day, she always talks about it. She goes, you know, she'll tell anybody, my mommy wanted to name me Reagan after a president in the olden
1: days. <laughs> so she would have been fine with Reagan, it sounds like. Although the 80s were not exactly the olden days, but to a nine year old, I guess they are.
3: Yeah, I I think she would have been okay. She just thinks it's funny that uh, mommy lost to daddy. I mean, she always Hmm. thinks that's funny. So, but I I really... It's also, I think,
1: a pretty name. And if she didn't like that it was named after a certain president, I don't know if she would necessarily resent you for that. It's still a nice name. Plus, modern-day liberals and progressives are always obsessing over the latest Republican that they hate. Reagan, right, will be fine, right? Bush is already getting rehabilitated in a lot of their minds. It's Trump, and then whoever comes next. So Reagan will be very much old news in terms of like the burning hatred thing. So I think that was a miscalculation I, on 100%. Bobby's part. Is Bobby a lib? Is Bobby against naming someone Reagan because he doesn't like Reagan?
3: Um, so he will tell you no, not at all. He's not. He'll tell you he's a real Republican. Uh, but no, I think, I think I. I can see it, actually, over the past 10 years that we've been married. He is going further and further to the left. and um, I mean, That's
1: concerning. It's
3: very concerning. It's very concerning. But, yeah, I Does do... he listen
1: to this show? Can we help reel him back in?
3: He does listen to this show. He does. I think he listens more
1: for uh, Home Stretched. Keeping tabs on his wife and also learning things about his life
3: right. on I mean, the show. He learned a lot. I mean, remember when I— was going to put the house up for sale he didn't know about Mm -hmm. that before there's plenty of things i mean how many birthday parties did i spend so much more on things he didn't know you know like bounce houses that were coming but he learned you
1: reveal things so he's doing almost like opposition research listening to the show i
3: do have one question before you move on can we think about down the road when guy benson has little bensons of his own Um, I know you're probably not going to use it for the first name, but could Cookie be a middle name option?
1: I'm not going to even dignify that with a serious response. Instead, I'm going to move on to Wyatt because Wyatt has a fun story on this subject of his own. You were nameless, Wyatt, for days.
0: Yes. Supposedly, I was nameless for about, I think, two days in the hospital. My parents could not settle on a name for me. Was it because they hadn't picked one out or you were a surprise in
1: terms of your gender, because my brother, this happened with my brother, my parents were expecting a girl. They didn't do the testing, but they just knew. The pregnancy was totally different than my mom's experience with me. I'm the oldest. Then, it was my brother. They're like, oh, we've got a girl on the way, girl's name picked out, done and dusted. And then he was a boy. And they were just sort of frozen in time. They couldn't Settle on a name. And eventually, I think the nurses said, you must name this child like this is a person. We cannot stop referring to this person as baby Benson. You need to pick a name. And they finally landed on James, which is a great name. But that was the source of the hang up there. They just weren't expecting a boy. In your case, it sounds like maybe that wasn't what was happening. Were there other options at play?
0: See, I don't know what the real reason behind it was, but I could probably think that I was the first out of all the cousins and everyone in the family to change the first letter of the name. It, everyone started with a D before me, so I, I kinda, all of them, yeah. So I kind of cracked the the mold of of changing the first letter of the name with a W for Wyatt. Um, but my my grandmother, she fought hard hard for uh, Derek after Derek Jeter. So I, there was a possibility that I could have been named Derek after, which would have
1: stuck with the tradition of
0: D's. Exactly, Derek after Derek Jeter. Any other names that they were thinking about? I possibly after after the doctor who I guess delivered me. I wow. think it was John. He was that <laughs> was his name. They were like make him make him that. So I I don't know.
1: Are you grateful that it ended with the decision that it did, Wyatt?
0: I actually am. I, I actually really like my name, so I'm very, very happy. And the other thing is, if you were John or Derek, War Derek doesn't really
1: roll off the tongue like War Wyatt does, right? And you would have never had YY the Clown. That would never have happened. So I think we should all be grateful at this show that your parents made the decision that they ultimately did, but they did not pay a stranger $1,500 or more to settle on Wyatt. They were normal human beings who made decisions for themselves. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Christine, if you were at a crossroads and just totally stuck, just an impasse, a quagmire on a baby name, would you ever consider paying someone to just make the decision for you?
3: Yeah, 100%. Yes. Of course, you know I would do that, especially, I mean, if I had the money. and. Bobby would probably kill me, but you know I couldn't.
1: You have do just problem. asked your medium, or your hypnotist, or your therapist, or your psychiatrist, or your whole ensemble. Couldn't you have? I didn't have had all one of them, them give like get a get a vision of the correct name and then communicate that to you for all that money that you're paying.
3: I didn't have all of them in my life when I had Megan. Those just came within the past
1: couple years or year. Okay, fair enough. So the point is, if you had a surprise new baby on the way they might be involved in the naming process these days?
3: Totally. I think that's really cool because they obviously have, like, great suggestions. And, like, because I also, I love the name Brynn, B-R-Y-N-N, but I'm not going to say my last name, but it it doesn't sound great with my last name on back-to-back. So, like, maybe she could help me come up with something that I hadn't thought about. I think it's a great idea.
1: I think what we would do is tweet a poll from at cookies jar 1988 and that's how you'd name your kid these days maybe you could help you'd get a the... lot of engagement you'd get some followers and the internet would pick your kid's name just like the internet picked your twitter handle
3: well maybe when i finally get that horse although i do have a name remember glenn was the name i picked out but if we don't go with glenn on the racehorse maybe they can help me there
1: well you had a horse a well, small I... one uh, that and was... we all know what happened to poor carousel And we're out of time. We can't. No rebuttal. Sorry. We've got to go. i got to get ready for special report coming up at the end of next hour on Fox News Channel. I'm on the panel tonight, also back here tomorrow on the radio, 3 to 6 Eastern every weekday. We will talk to you then. Have a wonderful evening. Home stretch on this Friday on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com for the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you observe Good Friday, if you're a Christian, we wish you a blessed Good Friday. I'll be going off to services after the show today, and I hope you have a wonderful, celebratory Easter on Sunday. Some of my favorite hymns in church are Easter hymns. There's another element to Easter. Because people do their own traditions and cuisine. You know, there are certain things, like at Thanksgiving, for example, it's turkey, it's mashed potatoes. Unless you're a sociopath, like producer Christine, when you don't serve turkey at Thanksgiving, that's what Americans do. Some KGB plants might not, but most Americans go with the turkey. There's a lot more leeway at Easter. I know people do an Easter ham. We often do an Easter lamb. But then there is the sweet side of things with desserts and particularly candy because you put candy inside Easter eggs, you do the Easter egg hunt. That's a thing for kids. So there was a survey done of Americans. It was actually an analysis based on Amazon's American marketplace about the most popular Easter candies. And I regret to inform you that the very top of the list. Features Peeps. America's favorite Easter candy is Peeps. Those gross, quasi-marshmallow, food-related products that truly seem almost inedible to me. In second place would be jelly beans, just slightly behind Peeps. And then finally, third, Cadbury eggs. Now, I'm just going to put my cards on the table here. Get ready for this. I dislike all of them. Peeps, no. Jelly beans, no. Cadbury eggs, no. If I had to pick one, it would be the Cadbury eggs. Because at least there's some chocolate there. Jelly beans are gross. Peeps are barely food. And yet this is what the American people like. And I guess if you like it, I'm not going to begrudge you. Go ahead. Eat all the peeps. It's like fruitcake at Christmas. If you like it, by all means, eat yourself into a coma with a fruitcake. Stuff yourself with peeps at Easter if that's what you want to do. I'm just, if I'm going to go with any candy on Easter, it's going to be chocolate. A nice, high-end chocolate chocolate bunny, and I will eat that starting with those big, tall ears and nibble my way down. Or just Easter-colored, like bright-colored peanut M&Ms, not frozen but chilled in the refrigerator. That's my go-to. And you put an Easter spin on it by having it be sort of like light, bright, floral colors. Now, Wyatt is over here borderline seething because he's a peeps guy. Wyatt, what is it about Peeps that you enjoy? Do you like marshmallows in general? Because I don't.
0: I like anything with any large amount of sugar on it. So I'm just surprised that you don't like any of these options. Um, but I do like Peeps. I like blowing them up in the microwave. You put them in the microwave and you you put them on for like 10 seconds and they blow up and get all ooey and gooey. Wait, hold on. You put Peeps into a microwave and explode them? Yeah. Then you eat them? Yeah. You take a, take a fork and you... I can't believe you've never heard of this before. Dan,
1: have you ever heard of exploding peeps in a microwave?
2: That is the wildest thing I've ever heard. No, I have not. That's crazy.
1: It's like candy animal cruelty. I mean, <laughs> I eat chocolate bunnies. I don't throw them into a machine to explode them and then feast on their remains. That is some that is some weird stuff over there, Wyatt. That's a tradition. You're, I'm, t- I'm to believe that this is a great American tradition, throwing marshmallow-related activities into a microwave until they explode. I've heard of s'mores where you roast it over a fire. There's at least something sort of rustic about that. There's something a little bit nostalgic, even romantic about that. Blowing up peeps
0: in a microwave? I, how could you? I, I like it. I like it. I also like jelly beans, but peeps, peeps are our are, are tradition for Easter. Okay. There are people who I'm sure are out there Agreeing with you.
1: Like in our vast listening audience saying, wow, war wide is 100 percent correct. It's not why the clown it's guy guy the clown today with my anti peeps position, but I'm not going to back off of it. We're not afraid of some controversy here on the show. Dan, do you have an Easter candy or not really?
2: Um, I have only one that's acceptable for me, and it's anything Reese's, like peanut butter filled, like the, ra- the rabbits, like the chocolate rabbit that has peanut yes. butter in it. That's my only thing I'll go to. That's it.
1: I accept it. I allow it. That's a good take. And uh, producer Christine is off today. So we are spared inevitably the worst take on this because she isn't here. She'll probably listen to this on Bonus Benson over the weekend and want to revisit it on Monday on the home stretch. But I don't know. I might try to just slide right past that. You can move on to more nonsense when we're back here on Monday for the Guy Benson Show. In the meantime, have a wonderful Easter weekend. Thank you for listening from all of us here at the Guy Benson Show and Wyatt and I here in D.C. And. Dan up in New York, to all of you and your family. Happy Easter. Have a great night.
2: That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at FoxAcrossAmerica.com.